Hi, listeners. Thank you for joining us. I'm Paul Dvorak, editor of Wind Power Engineering Magazine, and I'm on the line with Larry Letney. Uh, he's the CEO of Second Wind. Our topic for this podcast is where the wind industry is now and where it's going with respect to use of wind information. So, Larry, let's jump right in. Why don't you characterize the current state of affairs with wind information? You bet, Paul. So the way we look at the wind business is in four discrete steps. Uh, Two of them are pre-construction, prospecting and assessment, and two of them are post-construction, monitoring and optimization. And uh, to characterize the way it is in wind today, I think that there is uh, not as much information available as desired for all of these steps. And oftentimes that can speak to issues and cost uh, in each step of the process, which I can describe. So for instance, if you drive by a farm and you're a developer and you think you've actually got a good spot, uh, you can negotiate a land hold. You can go to town hall and pull a permit. In some period of months, you can erect uh, a 60-meter met mast, which is the sort of state of the industry in terms of measuring uh, wind at 40, 50, 60 meters. And for a period of time, you can then assess, should we really invest the money to try to figure out if we could build a wind farm in this area? Um, that just takes a bit of time because for every one yes, you get about 10 or 12 no's. Uh, quick no's are good for the industry, uh, and a lot of information would help that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you move to the assessment phase, now you're actually bringing in your bank's engineers, your consultants. You've, you've got a GIS map of the land. You're putting in 8 to 10 different measurement locations, which still today are predominantly 60-meter met mass. Uh, though the banks and the project financiers like to see hub height data, and so some some people and some countries are actually using 80, 100, 120-meter towers to try to deliver that data. At the end of the study, you do everything from environmental to turbine layout and energy assessment. It moves to the project finance stage. And one of the challenges about having uh, a marginal amount of information at that stage is that it costs you more to get the project finance. It's more millions of dollars out of the developer's pocket because of the uncertainty created by uh, limited height data and limited horizontal data. Um, As we move over into monitoring a wind farm, so imagine you've constructed the wind farm. If you drive by just about any wind farm, you'll see a couple of turbines uh, pointed off in a direction or possibly stopped. And one of the challenges of wind is it's continuously variable. And so uh, the reality is that if you have a turbine that's acting up, you have data about its energy output. You don't always have information about what is the wind doing that might possibly be causing a potential mechanical load, uh, some sort of a particular operating problem with that turbine. Um, That being said, the industry is very smart and does its best in terms of of, uh, maintaining as much uptime as possible. Uh, Finally, around optimizing, and this is really critical for the long-term growth and penetration of wind, um, the current state of the art is that a, a wind farmer will have a forecast Uh, that represents what they think is going to happen in the next day. But ultimately, it's a meteorological forecast that doesn't necessarily tie specifically to what's happening hour by hour on the farm. And so if if the wind ramps down, they're in an awful situation of having to buy energy or fire up a gas plant on very short notice. And there's a costly interchange between energy offtake and the grid. Um, And so those are sort of the four areas and the current state of how things happen there. Oh, that's a good characterization. Where do you think the uh, industry is headed then with regard to information of this sort? Well, I think that the trends in the industry, both in terms of where the investment and where the technology development are going, are to inform every step in the process in a much richer way. Uh, so, for instance, on the pre-construction side, prospecting and assessment, uh, there are a host of companies, us included, that are introducing remote sensing technologies that sit on the ground but offer you the capacity to actually read wind speed and direction 
and all kinds of characteristics at heights where the rotor is actually turning, maybe say 40 to 140 meters. Uh, the, the promise of that is that you can quickly discount prospecting sites that don't make sense. You can focus your dollars and your energies on assessment sites. In those assessment sites, you can actually measure uh, all the vertical heights and therefore you eliminate extrapolation and therefore the uncertainty in the financing step vertically. You can also move these devices around so that you can always have a measurement uh, within a proximity of where a turbine would go depending on your layout. And so the promise that's critical for pre-construction is to reduce uncertainty um, and to increase and speed the rate of financing of wind projects. Now we think remote sensing is going to play a very significant role as a category there. Similarly, if you look in monitoring and optimization, um, in, in the 80s, what people used to do was take a 10-meter mast and put it upwind of a, of a Mitsubishi turbine, let's say, in the Tehachapi Pass, and they could do a power curve on an ongoing basis. They, they knew the hub height wind going in, uh, they knew the energy going out, and they, they could glean a lot of information about how the turbine was operating and, and interfacing with the wind. As hub heights have become taller, there really hasn't been an opportunity for a tower-based solution as direct and specific as that. Uh, but the promise of remote sensing, again, is to actually position a unit upwind from a particular turbine or a couple of turbines and to be able to provide a complete closed loop in terms of here's the wind coming in, here's the energy coming out, here is either the, the tie to its expected performance or here are the deviations and some of the potential reasons why that could happen. That type of a technological checkup with wind information uh, we believe in the industry will become sort of an annual event for every wind turbine, especially as they become bigger and these are multi-million dollar electricity generation devices. Um, the final phase is, is to be using a variety of things. Uh, th there are companies who are now instrumenting old cell towers that are creating hub height data sources around the United States. You can take remote sensing and move it upwind from a wind farm and therefore over that distance create a forecasting capability uh, when you're a wind farm operator, what you'd love to know is what's happening in the next 10 minutes, the next 30 minutes, the next hour. Is there a ramp coming up or down? Uh, are there extreme conditions, anomalous winds, shear, veer? Uh, are, you, are you about to get an extreme wind gust, something of that nature? And so there's a combination of, of uh, companies and technologies that are looking at informing wind farms with upwind data. And in addition, there are some companies that are looking at mounting uh, very short-term uh, laser devices and c control systems on the nacelles of wind turbines, um, those would actually give you 10 to 20 seconds of reactive data. Um, and so conceptually, we see wind information becoming an integral component of operating a wind farm. We look out a decade and believe that all of these sensors and software systems will tie together to provide more of a uh, – uh, to move, to move into a more preventative maintenance methodology that's informed with technology as opposed to the reactive O&M state that we're in today. Oh, that sounds fantastic, Larry. This is, these are good times for the wind industry. What's going to be the role of Second Wind in all this? So Second Wind, uh, for our whole history, has focused on creating hardware and software solutions uh, that, that provide wind information, wind measurement, uh, and inform all the different steps of the wind information lifecycle. Uh, so, for instance, we have a tower system and Nomad data loggers. We've launched uh, in the last year and a half a Triton, uh, which is a, a sound-based SODAR uh, sonic wind profiler, uh, which, which is getting great reception in the industry, so a remote sensing tool. We tie these together in a software platform that we call SkyServe. You have to aggregate this data in a way that is secure, that's easy to access for people, customers. Um, and ultimately, the way we look at it is, is we as a company will become sensor agnostic over time. 
we just want the data uh, to be collected and put in the hands of the different people throughout that information lifecycle so that they can make good, effective decisions, uh, drive down their costs, increase their energy output. Um, and so we see ourselves as, as providing some of the building blocks of an eventual uh, very well, richly informed uh, wind industry. Larry, that sounds wonderful. Uh, and I want to thank you very much for your time and this discussion. We're out of time right now. If listeners want more information on Second Wind, where will they get that? Oh, they can go right to our website at www.secondwind.com. We have a great deal of information there, and you can hit the Contact Us page, uh, and we'd, we'd look forward to speaking and communicating with you. Excellent. I want to thank you listeners, too, for your time. This is Paul Dvorak for the Wind Power Engineering, wishing you all a great day.